Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. After only three weeks in office, Israel's government under Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu is involved in a heated debate with its opponents in both parliament and the public. Justice Minister Yariv Levin, with Netanyahu's backing, has unveiled an ambitious plan to redo the country's judicial branch, moving its center of gravity from judges and legal advisors towards politicians. Levin argues that it is a necessary reform to fix an imbalance. In contrast, his critics warn that it will destroy Israel's precious democracy. Regardless of the merits on either side, the conflict over the Levine plan threatens to tear Israel's society apart. Can the gap be bridged? With us to both comment and predict our retired colonel, Dr. Ran Lerman, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers in Play panelist, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune, and vice president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. Thank you for joining us. Also joining us is Professor Faimin Bal, the president of the Jerusalem <laughs> Institute for Strategy and Security, and it's always a pleasure to have you both here on the uh, Jerusalem Studio panel. With us, of course, is our editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, uh, host of Powers in Play, and so much more here in uh, Jerusalem. Um, Amir, give us a broader understanding on this very complex issue. Of course, there are various uh, opinions on this matter, but going down to the merits of, of uh, uh, the issue, what are we talking about? So uh, this is one of the most turbulent periods in Israeli political history. Of course, there have been uh, crises before, and uh, there have been protests and uh, dissent uh, from uh, government policy. But these times, um, it appears that not only political opponents or people at large um, are trying uh, to scuttle the um, governmental program, but um, some of the um, uh, stalwarts of Israeli democracy, such as the justices on the um, Supreme Court, as well as their predecessors, former attorneys general, and um, other respected jurists, um, have come out very forcefully against um, this uh, plan, arguing that this is one of the three branches, the uh, executive branch, which is in Israel is tantamount to the legislative branch too, trying to destroy the third one, the judicial branch, and subject it um, to the uh, government, and most especially to the one person who heads the government, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is standing trial because of, um, one may say, a quirk or a vagary of the uh, Israeli uh, jurisprudence. Netanyahu has been allowed to run for prime minister as well as serve for prime minister even while he is standing trial. And um, many thousands of of people um, have decided that they will not stand for what they consider this travesty. And 
uh, we are only three weeks after the government uh, has been uh, set up and uh, uh, received the vote of confidence from the Knesset. But nevertheless, um, it is already involved in a political crisis, which it may win. But there will be um, quite a gap um, within Israeli society, regardless of the results of this uh, controversy. Professor Inbaud, judicial activism has been one of the, the key issues uh, in the perspective, at least for the conservative right here in Israel, uh, with regard to the so-called judicial elite, as they're uh, defined in those circles. Uh, to what degree is there truth behind this, uh, considering the fact that we, we see figures also from the center and center-left uh, criticizing the judicial system over the course of the last three decades, <clears throat> something that apparently is not strange to Israeli politics? I think there is uh, a large understanding in Israel that uh, the judicial branch has taken upon itself uh, certain roles uh, which uh, were inexistent before. <laughs> to give you a few examples, the Supreme Court intervenes <coughs> during a war in Gaza and orders the IDF to make sure that the Palestinians' uh, children have enough milk. This is not the business of the Supreme Court. Uh, another example, the attorney general of the country uh, decides not to represent the government before the Supreme Court of Justice, which is unheard of in any other country, simply unheard of. So the independence uh, of the uh, judicial branch, which has to be secure, and it is secure because you cannot fire uh, judges, uh, is uh, uh, simply uh, destroying the trust of the people in the judiciary. And this is very bad. We have to respect the law and the judiciary. So the power uh, acquired by the Supreme Court of Justice in particular is destructive in terms of keeping a democratic system in which is based on rule and law. Any other needs to be a certain balance in, in this whole right. construct. And, uh, and this is something that it was made clear by, by Likud before going to elections. Uh, there are members of the opposition that have uh, expressed their views that uh, this imbalance has to be corrected. And uh, I don't think there is a threat to Israeli democracy. Uh, Jews uh, are, uh, have a long political tradition with great distrust uh, uh, of the central authority. And uh, I don't think uh, in any way the Israeli democracy is uh, endangered by uh, a part of those measures that are suggested by the government. What I agree is that it should be, uh, the process should maybe be different and it shouldn't be, shouldn't be pushed through the throat of the opposition. There should be more uh, deliberations. There should be more uh, discussions with the opposition in trying to maybe to co-opt part of the opposition into the process. Uh, but basically, uh, I think uh, it's a needed correction to the Israeli democracy. I think we largely heard the two schools of thought uh, when we're talking about the, the pros and cons to this reform. But I'd like to ask you, Dr. Lilman, we uh, briefly mentioned uh, former prime minister here in Israel, 
Menachem Begin, uh, who didn't have once or twice, um, he had a lot more than that, obviously, issues with the Supreme Court on, on various matters of debate. Uh, nevertheless, every time uh, that the court in Jerusalem ruled, uh, of course, there's this one time where he had that famous statement, Yeshoftim Yerushalayim, there are judges here in Jerusalem. Uh, to what degree has the court really changed its face uh, to a degree of, of demanded return? No, I, I think that uh, the so-called judicial revolution uh, attributed to uh, Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice Aaron Barak in his day began way back, and at the time, not only Bacon, but later Netanyahu himself um, did not rally against it. In, in fact, he is uh, commonly quoted now saying 10 years ago that he would throw out any attempt to, uh, to weaken the judiciary. But since then, um, several issues have piled up, some of them legitimate, some of them raise uh, question marks. There are four issues, actually, specifically uh, uh, at, at stake. The independence of the legal councils in various government ministries, whether they are obliged to uh, uh, speak truth to their masters or are they their masters' voices? A very delicate question. Most, most systems in the world, the legal, a legal council is a, uh, an appointee of the minister. But then um, they, the, the need for some check on, on unbridled power is uh, backed by a constitutional um, requirements, which... Israel does not have. So that's one of the four elements, four legs. The second is the manner in which judges will be appointed. And here we're looking at a switch from a very inbred um, culture in which judges basically appoint uh, their own to a very radical shift to full control by the government because it will have a secure majority of, the, of the, uh, that committee of appointments. The third uh, is the um, uh, abolition of what is called the um, reasonability or uh, uh, re, uh, uh, cause for striking out executive actions. Mm -hmm. That's a very bizarre uh, aspect and, and perhaps the most uh, problematic uh, innovation of the uh, interventionist court. Um, and the, the fourth element is the right of the Knesset to override decisions by the court which deem uh, a, a law passed by the Knesset to be um, unconstitutional. We don't have a constitution, but we have a number of basic laws that serve in lieu of a constitution. These are the four elements. Uh, put together, I think the problem for many people is not the idea of judicial reform, but it's, it's the idea that all, when put all four together in, in one package, they actually radically throw us from one end to, of the spectrum to the other. And the second obvious question is, is this appropriate when it is coming from a government which is led by a person with a, a grudge, perhaps a legitimate grudge, but a grudge against the legal system? for putting him on trial. And that uh, colors 
the debate in ways which were less relevant when other Israeli leaders and prime ministers, including prime ministers on the, on the left, or became, came from the right and became left, like Olmert, Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, also at the end of the day put on trial and, and convicted of, of graft. But at, in his day, he was also quite critical of the judicial system uh, going too far. But I would fully agree with the fine on one thing. Uh, this needs to be handled in a way that contributes to the cohesion, the national cohesion, rather than to national division, because Israel faces huge challenges, perhaps in a very short frame of time, uh, from the Iranians, from the Palestinians, in the, in the international arena, perhaps positive challenges moving ahead with some of our Arab uh, interlocutors, but all of these would require cohesion mm-hmm. and unity. And right now, this is not what's happening. Something the, that obviously President uh, Herzog also alluded to in uh, uh, one of his meetings with the two generals of uh, uh, one outgoing chief of general staff, the other incoming. Uh, but I'd like to ask you, Mr. Olvin, uh, when, when we're talking about this um, looming reform, of course, there are various stages that it needs to pass. On the one hand, we hear the president of the Supreme Court, Ezzel uh, Khayyut, come out and uh, call it uh, a travesty that will destroy uh, Israel's uh, judicial system. On the other hand, we hear... Um, people on, on, again, within the conservative right uh, coming out and saying that this is necessary and they should um, advance this uh, uh, vigorously and, and uh, stand firm against any uh, critics uh, on the liberal left. But if we look at the big picture, we already hear that there is intentions of finding uh, a certain concession uh, and providing those concessions will focus on a number of issues except for one the appointees, uh, the uh, the ones who will ultimately choose the judges, as uh, Dr. Lehmann has also pointed. Uh, To what degree is this all about choosing the judges? Because the three other angles ultimately will be redundant, uh, or the three other issues would be redundant if ultimately you choose the the judges that are like-minded to your own cause. Well, I'm not sure that uh, this will turn out to be true, that uh, judges appointed by Likud politicians will automatically do their um, appointers' uh, bidding. It's not always like that. We have seen right now in the uh, U.S. Supreme Court uh, in Roe versus Wade that, yes, if you're ideologically uh, in tune with a certain president and Congress, um, when the time comes, you are going to vote uh, according to their wishes, even though during uh, the judiciary... Or your own understanding and conscience. Yes, but, but during the Judiciary Committee hearings, they denied that this is uh, what they are going. But in Israel, we are not uh, going to have anytime soon six Catholic Supreme Court justices, <laughs> probably. So... Um, putting that uh, aside, um, where you stand depends on where you sit. Had the uh, former government tried to do it in order to railroad legislation, uh, which uh, would have been to the detriment of Benjamin Netanyahu, including barring him from running again, we would have seen 
such a UN cry by the then opposition, now government, that they wouldn't have thought of it. Now in power, uh, they are doing what they can without a supermajority. There are other parliaments, there are other systems of government where you have, you must have 60% or more of the legislators in order to do something very significant. Now, Iran mentioned that Israel doesn't have a constitution, even though this was one of the conditions for the establishment of the Jewish state when the United Nations um, decided on the establishment of a Palestinian state or an Arab state and a Jewish state. And the reason, of course, we don't have a constitution is because the religious parties or the religious citizens of Israel objected to it, saying that the Torah, the Halakha, uh, they are their constitution. Now, if you don't have a constitution, if you only have laws, um, how can you prevent each succeeding parliament, each succeeding government from um, overruling or superseding what the former one did. It's it's an endless cycle. And who is going to interpret the laws if not the Supreme Court and on behalf of the Supreme Court, the Attorney General? This is not um, uh, something nefarious. This is what should be done. Otherwise, um, everything would be arbitrary. Um, And right now we hear uh, senior politicians we have heard them already a couple of years ago saying one does not have to obey to whatever the Supreme Court uh, tells you to do. So why should you Which is o- outrageous. obey, obey uh, the police when you are issued a ticket or anything else? This is... Uh, anarchy. This is not undemocratic. This is anarchic. Indeed. Uh, well, Professor Inbal, there are some valid points here um, on this side of Yao. So let's move <laughs> to long, the other side of Yao. At long last, some valid points I made. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, I these are so. questions that need answers ultimately, and, and these advanced reforms do not necessarily address those questions. First of all, we should uh, <clears throat> point out that uh, those uh, measures are reversible. Uh, it's not like uh, when a government uh, decided to uh, evict the Jews from, from Gaza. This is something much of, of less weight. So I think that the outcry is greatly exaggerated. This is something irreversible. A new government will come in, can change it. Uh, if he likes. <clears throat> About the Supreme Court, I think that uh, the clause, or they decided that certain things are reasonable, despite the written law, is something which is, again, uh, not correct. I, I try to find a, a, a polite word. Uh, because uh, some uh, people will use, uh, you know, uh, harsher words about it. So the Supreme Court uh, has uh, put himself itself in a position to be the ultimate decision maker. And I'm not sure this is the job of the court. This is precisely what is at stake. The question, who is the final decision maker in a democratic country? And therefore, we need a certain balance between 
various branches. But as it is now, it has moved totally towards the uh, court of the court. And uh, this is something that should not continue. Uh, also about uh, choosing judges. Uh, in America, the Supreme Court of Justice, the members are chosen by a president, which is a politician. They are approved by a political body, U.S. Senate. And nobody thinks that the U.S. is not a democracy uh, because politicians choose the Supreme Court justices. Even this though in its constitution there is no mention of any democracy in the United States. <laughs> and there was sla <laughs> slavery and women couldn't <laughs> vote and we know. I don't want to comment on U.S. Uh, political system too much. Yes, uh, we, we get too much uh, aid from them. Let, let's uh, not get them uh, angry. <laughs> we have enough trouble here. We don't have to uh, talk about uh, the Americans. Judicial uh, activism was an American import uh, from the 1960s, from the Earl Warren court. Yeah, and we exaggerated. We exaggerated. We took it too far. And the, I understand, there is one thing that should be emphasized. And I think... Uh, uh, you alluded to, although I wouldn't agree with the phraseology. Uh, this government, particular government, is in a precarious position within Israeli society. First of all, because the anti-Bibi uh, feeling is very strong. On top of that, this government does not include any centrist party that could have allayed some of the fears of the part of the, of the uh, Israeli uh, electorate. And I would like to point out another thing, which is, in my view, very important. The heads of the coalition partners of Netanyahu have not served in the army. Neither Smotrich nor Ben Gvir. Uh, Smotrich for a very brief yeah, three period three months of time, doesn't yes. count. You know, uh, we went for three years, so <laughs> three months doesn't count. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, the ultra orthodox yeah, didn't serve. Yeah, so. Three months, yeah. also three months. Yeah. That's that's not. Uh, and so. and then he appointed his supervisor as the um, uh, chief firefighter in his ministry, <laughs> which he headed. <laughs> well, so um, this situation makes I think difficult for many Israelis to swallow things which are not you know, very pleasant. Sometimes, you know, you respect the majority, and so that's a decision of the majority. Those but this particular majority, I think, has some problems, and therefore, they have to carry out the reform in a much more suave way. Actually, well, the question that mobilized uh, elements of the coalition against the Supreme Court was the Supreme Court ruling on the uh, question of mobilization of the ultra-Orthodox, and the, the throwing out the uh, Knesset legislation on this question because it was unreasonable, because it basically did not uh, um, stand up to the, the, normal, the basic standard of equality in service. Um, and therefore, the, for the ultra-Orthodox, the, the Supreme Court became an enemy of, in the, wish, in the sense of their way of life. But for a great number of Israelis, the idea that the country would be divided between people who pay taxes and serve and people who uh, pay less taxes because they, uh, they live, many of them live on, on subsidies and do not serve, 
um, is also unreasonable. So if, 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 if not the court uh, determining uh, what to do in this situation, uh, there may be other ways of doing it which will only add to social tensions. Indeed. Well, uh, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to have the opportunity uh, to grant each and every one of you about 45 seconds uh, at large. Mr. Owen, we'll start with you. The uh, Israeli Supreme Court um, is held uh, to a very high standard uh, around the world. And because Israel uh, has a problem with the uh, territories it acquired in 1967, and we are always in an interim uh, position until uh, there is a peace agreement and final status, the Supreme Court um, has been considered uh, the guarantor of due process regarding what is happening with the territories and the inhabitants. If the Supreme Court is now deemed to be flawed because of governmental policy, Israel will be less protected in international fora. I think the most important thing is to uh, strengthen the judiciary, to make it more acceptable for the Israelis. And nowadays it's quite clear, and there are polls about it, that uh, the Supreme Court of Israel is much less appreciated by its citizens, and it is in decline, and this is very bad for democracy. And yet it is still in the top two, if I'm not mistaken, the after IDF the IDF. And way above the politicians. Absolutely. Who are not trusted at all. Which is the lowest. Uh, so, uh, Except for us. Indeed. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I Journalists. Think, the, <laughs> frankly, I, I think that uh, compromise is not impossible. And President Herzog is already trying to bring... Uh, the, the various perspectives into it seems to be very active on the domestic front Quite, more than uh, previous. Without, without taking a public position, because that is actually not within his mandate, but he can bring people to the table and ways can be found to do that. Even uh, people who strongly support the judicial uh, judiciary's position believe that there's room for compromise. For example, an override clause with 65 supporters in the Knesset. So the opposition will need, some elements of the opposition will need to join such an override. This is, uh, this is such a compromise can be found. Yes. But there uh, needs to be goodwill from both Netanyahu sides. will find some defectors the way he did the last time around. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. And unfortunately, uh, when we're talking about balancing uh, the system here in Israel, which needs balancing, obviously, uh, for both sides, I think, can agree to that. Uh, it will ultimately come in a form where nobody's happy, and therefore we know that something right happened there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Kissinger's old, obse old observation. You know. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Lerman, Professor Inbar, and Mr. Owen, thank you so very much for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.